0: You should let me hook that fan up for you, baby. She's hot. No it's sleeveless. I, I tried on three different glasses, trying to find something. I'm going to wait cool just a few minutes for a few people to get on, then we'll and I start teaching. I'm over it, so I'm like I've been running and gunning. That's okay. It's all right. Are y'all planning anything for Easter Sunday, like going with your family or? Doing anything? Okay, then I'll be here. They're not coming to your house. <laughs> All right, we've got five people in here. Hey Frank, Butch. Frank always pops up. but Butch had a Facebook page that said Butch, but he said something that offended uh, Facebook, so they took him off, so he had to make a new one. Can you imagine <laughs> that with yes. Butch? Oh <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. All right, well, we are going to start. Happy Palm Sunday. That's what Donna was reminding. This is Palm Sunday. You know, some people say, well, what is Palm Sunday? Well, that's the Sunday that Jesus entered into Jerusalem. And I'm not teaching on that today, but uh, palms, uh, uh, there's a name in the Bible called Tamar, T-A-M-A-R, and it means palm or palm tree. And the symbology of palms is uh, they were always carried before conquerors in celebration of their triumphs. So when a conqueror went out for battle and they won the battle, when they came back, they would lay palms in front of them. So the people saw Jesus as a conqueror. They, they, they actually thought that he was gonna be their physical king. In other words, to rule uh, forever and kick out the Roman empire and all that. But it's, it denotes victory, it denotes resurrection and also victory over the appearance of death and of the tomb, so I think that's very interesting. So, And I found in Revelation 7, 9, the multitude carried uh, palms in their hands, and it represented victory over all error and victory over the results of error. So that's what Jesus was here to do, right? Isn't that pretty cool? So you can find a lot of truth in everything. So. What I'm going to do now is I'm going to continue uh, in our series, we st- our, our, our chapter that I started a couple weeks ago, and I've, I've already shown you uh, the first five uh, levels of consciousness that we need to be at. And then I'm going to quickly show you the next two. But I want to continue in what it means to follow Jesus. And I pointed out last week, more accurately, it means to be in the same way as me. You know, uh, he could have really easily said to follow the way I live or follow, follow my lifestyle. And I believe that's what he was saying. He didn't tell the disciples just to follow him like I'm some person on Facebook that you're going to follow because you're interested in me personally or whatever. You know, today, if uh, Jesus was on Facebook, there'd be a lot of people wanting to follow <laughs> follow him. So, And I understand that because Jesus really taught a lot of truth. But sometimes the reason people follow people are the wrong reasons quite often. And the reason most people followed Jesus back then because of their conscious awareness was just because they needed help. And that's why a lot of people go to certain churches because they need help in certain areas. And so when scripture uses the word dwell, because that's what father wants us to do is dwell in him and and allow father to dwell in us, as in father dwelling in the midst of us, the word is uh, shakan, it's spelled S-H-A-K-A-N. And its meaning is to lodge, to reside, and permanently stay. And the key to me is permanently. You know, it's, we're not in one moment, now the next moment. And so the word dwell is an intimate word, and so much so that the root word dwell is shakab, S-H-A-K-A-B, and it means to lie down and rest as in a sexual connection, which is, that is a very intimate dwelling. And so in union or in union consciousness, you find yourself to be the one self of all. You find yourself embodied as Father God. And as Father is, so are we in our body. I always like to say this. We are Father embodied, right? To me, that explains it to me very well. We're not the source, but we are of the source. And the source is very active in, in us and the source being our Father. So we continue in a fixed thought led by the voice of Father. We can live and move and have our being in this world, whether you're doing like Carl did yesterday, replacing a hot water heater, or like I did studying, or like whatever you guys did. You can do that, but constantly be in tune to the voice of Father, and you can hear Father speak to you. And Father also helps us through our daily life as far as the voice with wisdom and understanding and knowledge and hearing how to do something. I I... Tell you many times where I naturally I didn't know how to do anything, but as I began to do something, I began to just hear that direction how to put this here or do this or whatever. And uh, to me, it's wonderful, and that's that's a place of staying in contact with Father. So Jesus said, if you stay in contact with Me and My utterance abide, utterance abide in your awareness, then you can ascertain and seek and desire to know whatever you will, and it will be revealed to you. But it has to be by staying in contact with Father now Jesus at that time people people wasn't listening to Father, couldn't because of their inability to to stay to even know that they were the breath of God. so Jesus was the comforter that they listened to, and that's why he eventually had to leave that area, you know, and they saw him they saw him resurrect, if you would, he translated to another place because he didn't want them to depend on him. To be their source he wanted them to depend on the source within inside of them the father so jesus said that and it's important for us to understand that in the scripture i found the other day that there's 82 references to the word abide which abide which must be very important and then there's 338 references to the word dwell so to abide or to dwell then again is to stay in contact with father Some call it a Christ consciousness. A lot of books that I read call it a Christ consciousness. And literally that's saying to have the same consciousness that Jesus did. And again, Christ means contact. So this is a conscious centering of the brain into the divine principle. And that's another word that's used for father is the principle. Father is the principle of all things. And so abiding in contact with father, there is this presence of light. There's presence of peace there's the presence of perfection and joy and love and life and substance that's in every one of us. It's about us. It's before us. It's beside us. It's with every part of us. There's all that perfection, life, peace, and joy that staying in contact with affords you. And like I pointed out many times, if I stay in contact with Norma and her life or Anna Carl and her life, then I'm going to enjoy the substance of your life, right? You know, if we were to uh, spend much time with Norma. And I know she cooks really good meals, doesn't she, Donna? So we would be able to enjoy the substance of what she does and the, the meal that she provides and, and the love that she provides for yes. everyone. And so that's why we, Father will never leave us, never. But how many times have you have ever felt alone in your life? Many times we have, you know, particularly in our beginning stages of what we call Christianity, that was that little child awareness. And that's not insulting anybody. That's just that little child awareness. I don't look down on children that's in grade school. They have their awareness, but they need to eventually come up to high school and then to college, if you would. And so we we, we, we can be assured that Father will never leave us because Father is one with us, more one than we are. You know, when we were married to our spouses, we committed to be one But we didn't understand that didn't us? because many people ended up in divorce. You know, they were not committed to the, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's really what the marriage vows should be. But that would put on a heavy burden on some people because they're not able to do that. But we know for sure Father will never leave us, could never leave us. So we discover that we are messengers with these seven spiritual faculties that I've talked about earlier and we dwell in the presence of our Father forever, age after age after age. We will never not be the presence of our Father. If this body ceases to be able to hold us, we will still be the presence of the Father. We won't go anywhere where we're not already. We'll just be fully awakened. But I believe we can do that while we're in our body. So in our day, there's this coming forth of many angels, which are messengers, that are spoken of in the parables of Jesus. He used them quite often. He couldn't speak plainly because people just wouldn't understand or couldn't understand, again, because of their awareness level. But in one of them, he says, So shall it be at the end of an age, the messengers, and he actually use the word angels, the messengers shall come forth and sever the wicked. And wicked just means restless or people doing bad things. But it's basically people that have not entered into the rest of God. So sever the wicked from among the just, which are righteous-minded people, and again, the angels are our spiritual perceptive faculties. We are messengers. We are angels. But basically, there are those seven faculties that we have, and they are ours, but they strongly need to be activated. Yeah. <laughs> and they are been, uh, being. So these are our angels of our childlike spiritual thoughts, if you were. We, The Bible says that we must come to Father like a child, with no expectations, with no thought that, you don't love me, you know. I, I think of my my pets that I've had before. They've always come to me with that mindset. I could get on to them t- two days before or an hour before, but they still timidly come to me because they're they expect me to be who I'm supposed to be. I guess they only see the love of me, <clears throat> and so the the office of these faculties is, uh, is 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 spiritual thoughts. It's it's an understanding of spiritual principles and the office of our faculties is to guard us and to guide us. You know, uh, somebody uh, posted last week, and it is true, they know us by our love. You know, so love is one of our faculties and the love of our Father that's, that's implanted in us will guide us and lead us, and that's the agape love. That's the love that's without a cause. So I love you whether you ever love me back. And a lot of people need to get to that place because there's a lot of unforgiveness out there today because of what somebody's done, you know, and that doesn't mean you have to allow them to do it. It doesn't mean they have to be your best friend, but you still need to love them because they are your brother and they are your sister and they're only living out of a mistaken identity. You know, we have a young lady in our neighborhood that's struggling with, she's bipolar, but I I look at her and I feel love for her. And I was thinking about her this morning. She fell in her bathtub and got hurt or something But the ambulance. But I was thinking that what she's, what she's projecting is not the real her. And I see the real her when I look into her. The, the neighbors around her that don't have this awareness, all they're seeing is what she's projecting, right? So they call her crazy. They call her mean. They call her evil. And they just want to get rid of her you know, and they would like to help where they could, but it's very difficult to help somebody with a mental problem. So uh, what we have in, in them and in these faculties is the whole of our divine source. And if you're new to listening to this and you haven't followed us, you can go back to my previous lessons uh, when I published the books, which I already have, but I need to look at it first before you order them. I'm supposed to get it in about a week but I published book one and book two of the, of the uh, spiritual code and symbology of the living word. But again, don't order it until I look at it first and I'll announce it. But you can go back and read all that or you can listen to the videos and watch them. <clears throat> but comforter messengers are to project into other, other's consciousness, the spiritual ideas that Father wants for us. That's what we do. We project that into them. We explain that to them. We can make a visual image of who we are. And when we do that, then if they receive it, it comes in, like if they receive it with meekness, it comes in as an engrafted word of God, and it rescues their soul from the lie that they've been believing. And I've said this for years. One of my favorite things to do is I meet strangers out in public and stir up a conversation, and I get to tell them, did you know that the day you were born from your mother, you were holy and you were righteous right then, and you were The very spirit, the breath of God, and I have never had one of them not like that. Not one of them rejected me at all. They lit up and they smiled. And then many times, particularly younger ones, but some older ones, they said, yes, I know that. And it's exciting that people do know that. So the word of truth that will be heard is from the center of the power of Father that overcomes limited beliefs and limited understandings and limited conditions. So in order for a messenger to bring this word of truth, then they must dwell in the house of the Lord or as the house of the Lord, right? So we're not trying to get, get to that house. We're not trying to become that house, but we are the house of the Lord and there's no going in and out, in one minute, out the next. You know, it's like most, most people that call themselves Christian, a large point of, uh, part of them the only real part of that is they go to church on Sunday and then they go back home. And in and, and church, they're doing their Christian duty and they're doing their thing. And I'm not saying that they're constantly aware of that, but that's pretty much where it's at. And then they go back in the world and they can't wait till next Sunday. Or they can't wait for the next revival. I've been there before. I, I used to love revivals because it was an exciting time and we were all getting pumped up and all excited and we felt better or, we, or when we went to church camp. You, have you ever been with kids at church camp? You know, and they're crying because they had to go back home because they're enjoying that. But then when they go back, they kind of just slip back into that old way of living. And that's not what Father wants for us. We are to, to abide forever, forever. So we were taught by religiosity that Jesus died for us and uh as an atonement for our sins and by and people are going to be taught that next sunday easter sunday is coming and some today too and they're going to begin to talk about how we were wretched sinners or are wretched sinners if we hadn't got saved yet and you know the story and they're going to hear penal substitution and how horrible it was you know what jesus went through because of us you know and that's what religiosity does and uh I tell you what, I do not celebrate the cross. I do not celebrate what happened to Jesus at all because that was what man did to Jesus. You know, If I was beat severely to the edge of death and spat upon and made to carry that huge giant cross to the place of Golgotha and then they put me on it and they stripped all my clothes off and I hung there naked, because he was naked, he didn't have that covering between his legs. And they nailed those nails to his hands. I would, if that would happen to me, I wouldn't want you to celebrate that. I wouldn't want you to wear a cross representing what would happen to me. Because it wasn't God. And I was excited. One of the ladies that's following us now, she made a, put a, a comment about, when I, about Isaiah 53 on, in the, on the internet. And she said, oh, it was man, not God. And it really excited her to, to, to hear that. And people need to hear that. And so we don't celebrate that. What we celebrate is the resurrection. We celebrate what Jesus came to do, what he came to teach, and he showed the love of God, and the resurrection showed us who we are, how supernatural that we really are. And some people get concerned when I say that we're supernatural. And I get that from the word Damien that they translated to devil. just because there's new people listening right now. And uh, Damien just means a supernatural a supernatural spirit, if you would, and that's what we are, supernatural breath with a bad character. In other words, they're supernatural, but they're living out of a false identity. And supernatural just means something other than physical. You know, if I laid hands on you and your arm was gone and an arm grew out, that would be other than a physical happening, but it should be the norm. If you were blind, like Jesus came to people who were blind and he told them to put mud in their eyes or whatever he did, we would call that, wow, that's supernatural. That's a miracle. But actually, it's just other than physical. Because physical means I need to go to the doctor. I need to get, have surgery. You know, everything that we do physically. And physically, there's always consequences to it. And there? There's uh, side effects, if you would. But so Jesus operated supernatural, and we can too. So in our day, there's this coming forth of messengers, uh, many messengers... And again, we are, to, we, we are to project these things out so people won't fall prey to all these teachings that are coming to the world right now. Uh, so their teaching is in a human sense and they believe, literally, they look at Jesus and they uh, uh, this belief has been materialized in the flesh and blood process. In other words, in Jesus dying. We got to believe that Jesus died for us. We got to believe that Jesus suffered for us. We got to believe that Jesus bore all of our sins When they said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all men. Well, they added the word men. It said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all your confusion into me, not your sin, all your mistaken identity in me. And so the death of the body on the cross played this very important part to the no penal substitution doctrine. Because without that, then there was no substitute for our sins, right? And so in this has the sense consciousness Uh, it, It led followers of Christianity astray. And that's why all of our lives we believed in penal substitution. After all, our Bible said it, right? But then we discovered all of a sudden that the translators did that and also these false perceptions that were taught. So the spiritual things must be spiritually discerned. And we didn't know that. The Bible must be spiritually discerned. If you're not listening to the breath of God, if you're not listening to the voice of God, if you don't have a filter of love as you're reading the Bible, then you are being deceived. And that's hard for people to hear, you know, because we have made this Bible our idol, you know, and that that this is the word of God, but it's not all the word of God. It says all scripture inspired by God is profitable. Not all scripture is inspired by God. They added the is, you know. And so I know by now that Father never inspired Moses to tell the children of Israel to kill people. Never inspired Moses to circumcise. Why would God create foreskin on a man, there's a reason that he did it, and then tell somebody to go cut it all off? We didn't think, we just thought, oh yeah, well that's just something he did, it was punishing him, <laughs> you know, or whatever. To set them apart is what we thought. Well, it, they, that's what they told us, but that still, Father created us, made us the way we are, and there's a reason for every part of our body. <laughs> You know, and that's why I I agree with my daughter. She just said, Dad, I don't see why I'm not going to circumcise my boys. Mm -hmm. She didn't see the reason behind that. Mm -hmm. And so it wasn't God. And then why would God uh, uh, have to have a penal substitutionary atonement for us when the Bible says that he sees us the way we are in the end from the beginning? He sees us righteous. He sees us holy. So why would he (laughs) need appeasement? And we never asked those questions, did we? We just blindly followed the religiosity because they're the ones that have the decrees and they're the ones that the pastors and they're the ones that the teachers. Mm -hmm. So it was concocted from a false (laughs) perception of Father as in Moses' writings to say Father supposedly said when Father did not say. And I hear it all the time, not as much as I used to, but people say all the time, God told me this and God told me that. And I know that God did not tell them that whatsoever. So... At the root of this religious system teaching is truth. There is truth in some of it. Jesus of Nazareth played an important part in opening the way to everyone as living as Holy Spirit. Jesus was the Messiah, if you would. I prefer to say Jesus was their comforter messenger that was anointed and sent of God. <laughs> Father God foreordained Jesus to be birthed through Mary so Mary could educate him, the scenes could educate him. And, the, and, and Jesus stayed in contact with the divine mind. So all that true information was enlarged within him. Just like Father foreordained us to be birthed where we're at in our world. As Butch says, we can go into our world and we can help people. There are people in your world waiting to hear the truth. And then there are some that's not. And so if they're not, I don't cast my pearls before them. And, and they use the bad word, which is swine. But the reason they use that is swine will eat anything. Fortunately, I've never had to feed pigs, but anything you throw in there, they're going to eat. Have you, Carl? Is that true? They'll eat anything? There's not much they won't eat. And so that's a picture of religious minded people that eats anything that makes them feel good, and even anything that condemns them because they're used to being condemned. That's right. I'm a sinner. Boy, church was good. They made us crawl to the altar and we all cried. And, you know, but how many times have you done that? Every Sunday because that's what they're familiar with. Yes. And if, you, if you're only looking for what you're familiar with, then you're not going to get what is the truth, right? Mm-hmm. Me and Donna saw an example of that yesterday and today because there was a prescription bottle in there for her, uh, for her uh, allergies, and she couldn't find it. And, I, and I, this happens to me a lot. And I said, well, Donna, it's in there. And so she walks in there and she keeps looking and she can't find it, then all of a sudden she said, oh, well she's used to that orange bottle that has her prescription in it when it was in a white plastic bottle. So if your perception is that it's in an orange bottle and you look all over it, you're not gonna see it, right? And so that's what happened to us with the word. We had this perception of what the word was about and that's all we saw and we did not see the truth when the truth was staring us in our face. And it happens to me all the time. Kelly comes and cleans our house every other week. And I know exactly where I put stuff on my counter. And that little girl, little lady, she changes it all the time. She's so funny. She even turns my shaving cream upside down bottle because the one they have is metal. And if they have it this way, it rusts underneath it. But she moves stuff around and I cannot see it. And I'll say, Donna, where is and where is that? And she'll walk in and there it is, but it's not where I perceived it to be right? So that's kind of how we work in the word of God. So that was uh, that, that opening the way for us to live as holy breath was not through the cross. It was not, Jesus did not come to make a way. He came to reveal the way. When he said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, and I've told you before the phrase I am is I exist. So he said, I exist as the way, the truth, and the life. And I'm here to show you how to exist that way, is what he was saying. He wasn't the only one that existed that way. And so we should be able to say, I exist the resurrection, I exist the life. Not to make it to be so, but because it is so. So what most people say is, I'm just human, I'm just a man, or I'm just a woman. They even write songs about it. I read one the other day, I was looking up the lyrics to that song, I forget what it's called, but I'm just a man, Well, there's another one that says, I'm just a man. I poop just like you do. (laughs) And they got this whole list of stuff to kind of make us say, we're just, we're just, we're just nobody. I I thought it was so funny. I I stopped reading it. (laughs) But it's a famous song. You ever heard of it? There's some things you don't need to say. Some things I don't need to say. Well, that's okay. So, what happened is we failed to know and believe and see who we are because we didn't have teachers that knew who they are. My, my teachers, for up up, until, up up until I would say, "Brother Garner, Brother Garner, began to teach who we are." My teacher before that, failed to teach me who I was, and, and I know it's because they didn't know because I listened to some of them praying. you know, I was there with them all the time. I was an elder, and I'd listen, I would hear them pleading to God to forgive him and pleading to God to make him better. and you know, and we've all done that. I've done it myself. And so that's proof positive, as Alan Merrill used to say, that car dealer. It's proof positive that we didn't know who he was. And we had nobody telling us who we were. And that's why I like when Paul Paul told Timothy, Timothy, you need to study yourself and show yourself approved already. That God's already approved it. You were approved when you were born. And you never lost that. So to comprehend the atonement requires a deeper insight into this imagine the process that the average man and average woman won't attain or have not attained really and the atonement was a revelation of our at one-ment it wasn't jesus atoning for for man's sin it was a revelation of our at one-ment i'm at one with father god and i've always been at one with father god so not because they lack the ability to understand but because they have been they have lowered their thinker their thinking power if you would or their thinker Uh, into this cruder thought level, to this lower awareness level. The word heart in the Bible means individual awareness. And so they had an individual awareness that was separate from Father's awareness and separate from Jesus' awareness. So we want to come to this place to only those who study being. I mean, we are a being. We're not a human being. We are a being we are, we, are, we are spirit or we are breath, and I was talking to Kay about this yesterday, we're not spirit having a human experience. That to me, I never understood people talking about that. That's still separate. Yes. I don't want a human experience, I want a spiritual experience. Yes. I'm not a human, There is, I and mean, we can say humanity, or we can say humankind, but we are man. We are, and when I mean man, there's no gender there. We are the race of man, and there's only one race of man with many colors, right? We're many-membered. I wish this world could get that. But they don't want to because they want to divide us. You know, every system is created to divide us: rich, poor, sick, you know, black or white, what, whatever. And none of that's true. It's done nothing but bring division to us. And so, when only those who study being, from the standpoint of the divine mind, we'll understand that the atonement part that Jesus played is opening the way for us to enter into our glory. And the word glorious, doxit means a very full weight. So we enter into being the full weight of our Father. Everything that Father is, we are, right? I'm an American and I'm proud to be an American. And I am the full weight of American, I believe and truth and justice and the American way, like Superman said. (laughs) I believe in that. So the way for humanity into this glory was there before the world was formed because they already had it. But again, as I've been saying for quite a while, and I know Kay has too, the entire Bible is about an awareness. That's all it is. You're either going to have a carnal awareness or you're going to have a spiritual awareness. Paul said to be carnally mindful is death, to be spiritually mindful is life. You know, Jesus said, choose Choose you which way you're going to go. It's a choice Mm -hmm. that we make. And too many people are not willing to press in and to study to show themselves approved. They're not willing to sit and listen to ministers grind the word out. We're we're gifted to you. Mm -hmm. We're comforter messengers that Father has gifted to you. that, That I spend hours, and I'm not bragging about it and I'm not complaining, but I spend hours on these things, so why wouldn't you listen, you know? And what saddens me is I see how people go from video to video to video, and they listen to maybe 10 minutes of this preacher and 10 minutes of that preacher, Mm -hmm. and they miss out on so much. And that's why I say you need to find one or two uh, messengers, maybe three that are teaching the truth and stick with them and listen (laughs) to every word that they're saying. Because if you miss out on one explanation, it can cause you to falter in another area, right? And so uh, we who have studied these imaginative processes through thought action know how states of levels of consciousness are formed and how we can just come up and get higher and higher and higher. That's why I felt impressed two weeks ago to teach on these seven levels of consciousness because we needed to get there. So the race of this man ego seems to lose its identity And that's what it is. There's one race, right? We need to realize that again. Adam was a race of man. So what happens is they lose it and they forget that in times past, if you would, mankind experienced the power of breath. Before Adam, before this race of man began to feed on the knowledge of good and evil, because they didn't listen to Father with intelligence, they, they experienced supernatural living. I don't understand how, but... They, they didn't know. And today, you know, the reason we're not experiencing it is because we listen to the teachers of the knowledge of good and evil. We're still feeding on that tree, right? Yes. And every denomination you go to, every religion you go to, says, here, eat this apple. And they all have their own version of it to the point that they tell you how to dress, what you can wear and what you can't wear. And it's very cultish, in my opinion. So, no matter how miserable or how degraded their state is, people get so accustomed to it that they're not inspired to go any higher. We're just used to the same thing over and over and over. There is a particular denomination that I think of every, a, a lot of Every Sunday, they teach the same thing. You must be born again, you must be born again. That's all they teach, is you must be born again. And so because of that, people feel like, oh, I, I need to do it again because I messed up this week. I eat too much ice cream, mm-hmm. you know? And so they become accustomed to that state and in a sense get something out of the state that they're living in, whatever it is. Dr. Phil, if you remember who Dr. Phil is, he said they wouldn't be done it if they was not getting something out of it. You know, if I was a drug addict, I certainly wouldn't be sticking needles between my toes and my arms if I wasn't getting something out of it. In other words, I'm willing to endure the pain to get the high. So I think sometimes we go to religion and we're in, we're willing to endure the pain that they lay on us to get this feeling that I'm right with God. I finally did it. I finally did something, and the problem is, if you're doing to to please God, then it's a dead work, and you're gonna to have to do it over and over. Well, there is and over. a lot of people that teach that you have to suffer. Yes, they do. Yeah, yeah, and they teach processing. Mm-hmm processing was a doctrine that went around for years that god processes you he causes you to be sick so you'll turn to him or he causes something to happen so your faith will come up whatever and all that is is like Kay calls it babylonian baloney i like that phrase babylonian baloney so they're attached to their habits and their thought and their living they don't want to be reformed they don't want to be changed I joked with Melanie many times about it, but I'll never forget one day when I was preaching at our teaching at uh, Advantage when we first started our church. And she put her hands over her ears and said, "I can't take no more. I can't take no more." You know, and she and she told me, "You're just giving us too much." You know. Well, you got if you wouldn't say that if I had a banquet full of natural food out there, would you? You know. And so, uh, but I understand. So, just when they are about to reach this place where they see a better life that's available, suddenly something happens and they fall back. And they go back to what they've been satisfied with all their life. And the Bible says it's impossible to renew those who have tasted the goodness of the Lord and gone back. It's poss- impossible, nearly impossible to bring them back to the truth. Because once you go back, you're, what you're doing is you're opening yourself up again to all those sensual desires that bring you temporal pleasure. So, we can readily see how a whole race might be caught up in the tangles of its own thought productions and through this dreamy ignorance of man's ego. And they remain there through their whole lives, not able to break through. You know, I've had many times in my life where I prayed, Father, help me to get out of this or whatever. But I was wanting Father to do it instead of me feeding on the truth that will make me free. Because Jesus said it's the truth, which is the not concealed word, that's what that word truth means, the not concealed word that will make you free. It will cause you to experience it. And as I've studied the word over uh, over almost a lifetime, I guess, I've seen many times where uh, something would come and there would be a revelation there of truth and it freed me of what I thought about myself or what I thought about somebody else or, or some kind of action I was involved in. So uh, this is exactly what happened to our race and in our journey, uh, Back to the Father's house and becoming the Father's house, we lost in our own thought. We, we, we didn't know. And a lot of people just never knew that they were Father's house. They thought that there were going to be a mention that if we did right, we would get it when we go to heaven someday. So Jesus, the one who stayed in contact or stayed in his original birth state, uh, broke through this form thought and opened a way that we can decide to enter into everything that Jesus came to teach us after Jesus resurrected, he spent a lot of time with his disciples and he still helped them awaken. You know, a lot of people don't believe that, but I do because when Jesus was leaving, he was talking to his disciples and he said, you can't bear these things. You can't understand. I've been trying to teach you spiritual truths, but all you do is see me as a physical king, if I can paraphrase it, but be of good cheer. I'm going to send many more comforters. I'm going to pray the Father is going to send many more comforters to you. And that was John. That was uh, Paul. That was, and that was the disciples. They begin to wake up because later on, if you read the real truth of what the translation says, the disciples were, were teaching some tremendous supernatural truths yes. and understanding. And so, this is, the re, uh, this is the reason we read of their ability to manifest other physical happenings. I mean, Philip translated, so he had to learn something from when Jesus left to later on, right? And I believe it, he was taught. <coughs> Excuse me. So by by so doing, Jesus made connection between the state of consciousness and the more interior one of the Father, a a conscious awareness or an individual awareness and then tuning into the interior consciousness of the Father where what Father thinks we think. That's why he said, "I, I don't do anything that I don't see my Father do and I don't hear anything that I don't hear my Father say. And that's kind of paraphrased from what was in the King James but how can that happen you'd say in contact and it was constant non-stop it was while you were putting a hot water heater in it's while you were digging out in your garden a garden it was while you're washing dishes or cooking there, there there's this voice that you're attuned to and it's always talking when i say it i i'm talking about father so she said then he became the way by which all would listen to and believe him by passover and so Passover literally means a new consciousness. And I have friends that went this week, because they told about it on Facebook, they went to the pa- Passover supper and they're observing the, the penal substitution teaching, if you would, but not even that because the Jews didn't believe in penal substitution, did they? So they, they're observing that. I, I have one friend that went once and they watched him sacrifice a, a, a uh, lamb. And showed them how to do it, and they watched them do it, and everything. And I think, how can somebody that's a follower of Jesus Christ do that? But then I know now because they believe in penal substitution, mm-hmm. and they want to go back to the old. But literally, Passover is when the Passover took place. It's a it was a symbology of a coming up to a, a, leaving a slave awareness to a son awareness, right? To leaving a carnal mindful sinner awareness to a son or daughter awareness. And I say this again, in my writings and when I teach, anytime I say a son, you can just put a daughter in there. But basically there's no gender whatsoever. When I think of son, I think of the race of man, if you would. And so I told Donna, I said, I can see why a lot of women, I'm surprised that more women have not rebelled against biblical teachings because the translators of the Bible use only the male gender almost every time, unless they were talking about a particular woman. It was always his, you know, and I used to write his or her, his or her in my writings, but, but most of the people are listening now, they understand there's no gender in that. So <clears throat> that which died upon the cross was not man's sin, if you would, or sins, that which died upon the cross was our false conscious awareness. Jesus took it to himself, and he even bore the confusion, the crown of thorns, and he bore that confusion, and all the beliefs, are mortal beliefs, if you would, that held man in bondage, you know, if all your life you felt like you were just mortal, then that means you were liable to die, or liable to be punished, if you would, afraid of your father, you know, and thinking that if I didn't appease father just right, then there was going to be suffering come to my life, and there's no shortage of people that's told me over the years, I know why this happened, because I didn't get my tithe, or I haven't been faithful, or I haven't come to church enough. And the list goes on and on and on. How many times he talked to people and say, I need to go to church. I know I need to go to church. Mm-hmm. And I, I'll say a lot of times now, why? Why do you think you need to go? Mm-hmm. Well, to please God. <laughs> no, that's not why you go. So he became the way by which all would listen to and believe him, again, and experience that Passover to a greater awareness. What did he say? He said, I've overcome the cosmos. That's the world. That's what he means. Cosmos is the world system. Yeah, to me, there's five major systems. The religious, the, 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 <coughs> the, religious, the political, the financial, the social, and the, and the medical. Those are the five major systems and everything else comes underneath that. You know, some people talk about the educational system where they're under the control of the political system. Mm-hmm. So there's other systems there. So he said, I have overcome this way of living, if you would. And how did he do that? He did that when he went to the, uh, to the uh, synagogue and got, had set up on top of the synagogue and had to settle two questions. Am I who Father says I am? And am I here to take over? Or am I here to go to the, the judgment of the Jews? Mm-hmm. And he overcame that. And So in his ministry, he was not succumbed by their traducing and hindering efforts in his life. He continued to teach the truth. And so what happened is a great rent took place in man's sense consciousness. Just like the veil was rent, that veil again represents a a consciousness that hindered us from being aware of the most holy place, from fellowshipping with Father, because what we were taught, only the perfect priest could go in there, right? One of these days, I'm gonna look at the symbology of it, but it talked about how if you had a hooked nose, you couldn't go, if you had a crooked neck, you couldn't go. Uh, there's all kinds of things that they listed that disqualified you for being a priest. There's that sin consciousness. Father didn't say that. That was Moses's perception and the translator's perception. So he rent that veil, if you would. In other words, he rent man's sin consciousness. That And he opened it up. And David began to question theology. And so when they made that, on one mountain was Moses's tabernacle with no tabernacle in it. Tabern, uh, uh, no, ta- uh, huh? I can't even think what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> the ark, I'm sorry. There was no ark in it. It was over on this mountain in oh, David's, okay. David's tabernacle and in David's tabernacle, there was no, no, t- no curtain and the people came in all they wanted mm-hmm. and they praised and they worshiped the way they did back there, you know, so all these are wonderful pictures. Yes. So he didn't just rent a curtain. He he rent that, he destroyed that conscious awareness that said, I can't come into the presence of God. You can't come into the presence of God. You are the presence of God. That's what gives me goosebumps. Because I was always wanting to try to become something. And so he opened a way by which all who desire may reveal or show forth who they are easily and quickly. I can go out and reveal who I am by how I treat people. They shall know me by my love. I choose to love people. And it's no longer something I'm doing to, to try to love people. I'm loving people because I love people. Yeah. Only, my wife can tell you, everywhere I go, I talk to people. Some, it used to bug her all the time. I don't think it does anymore. But I just love to exhort people. I love looking at young children. I just think, they're oh my God, they're, just, they're beautiful. And I, and I pray over them sometimes, say, Lord, protect them. Mm-hmm. Lord, help their mothers and daddies to guard their mind. Yes. You know, because we've seen children who they become uh, uh, later because somebody didn't guard them, somebody didn't feed them properly. But I love to look at people. I love to look at creation. And so in order to receive these benefits of Jesus' work and teaching, it's necessary for us to go to that place, if you mm-hmm. would, for the rent there was a rent take place in the race beliefs. Go to that understanding where Jesus swallowed up that false identity and that mistaken identity, and that was at the cross. So I recognize it, and it was a horrible, horrible event. And even Jesus said, Father, is there any other way that I can wake them up? If there's any other way, let it be so, but nevertheless, you know, and, and it wasn't the will of God for him to do that. I'm going to have to look at that and translate that properly. But it was, it was what was needed. Man needed to see a death. And so Jesus said, okay, I love you so much. You know, the Bible says, for God so loved the world. It should say, for God, our Father, and Jesus so loved the world. Because Jesus had to love the world to do that. Did he not? He loved all those people, even though they beat him to smithering. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. So let me ask you a question. If, if you were t- entangled in a giant spider web, great big spider web, and someone made a hole that you could pass through it, would you go there? Sure. Would you go to that hole? Yeah. Sure you would. But well, then why is it that people won't go to that place that Jesus told them to go? In my Father's house, there are many, many abodes, many dwelling places if it were not true i would have told you so i go to prepare a place for you in other words i go to destroy your false awareness your mistaken identity so you can come and be the way i am with father and yet still people won't go (laughs) they're entangled in the religious spider web if you would and they think they're lost and they think they have no hope And they just keep coming trying to please God and they can never please God because God's already pleased. It's a dead work. So the same holds true of us. And the Bible talks about a breach. Uh, It's in Isaiah 30 and 26, Isaiah 58, 12, and Lamentations 2.13. Isaiah 30, 26, Isaiah 58, 12, and Lamentations 2.13. And it talks about a breach that Jesus bound up and made void. And so in a sense, it was that what held and still holds the race of man in bondage, it was religion. The Bible says, for this purpose was the Son of Man manifest that he might destroy uh, him that had the power of death and that would be the Mosaic law. Mm -hmm. And then it said he destroyed the works of him that had the power of death. Well, what's the power of death? It's me telling you you need to do something to please God. Mm -hmm. And if you obey that, then it's death. It's no knowledge of God, because that's what death is. And so he he repaired that breach, if you would, and he made it void. So we must go where he dwelt. And where did Jesus dwell mentally and spiritually? He dwelt with Father God. He dwelt in full awareness of Father. He stayed in contact with Father. So we see that the church is not so far wrong in its state that you need to follow Jesus But they need to be explaining it better. They need to say, you need to learn to live the way Jesus did. But they don't know how to do it, most of them. And so only the church needed to be aware that. Uh, We were not following Jesus to get healings. We were not following Jesus to get miracles. We were not following Jesus to get food or anything. We were being asked to live in the way, the truth, and the life that he did. But again, the reason he couldn't minister these things is because the people were bankrupt. They were sick. They were, they were diseased. They were paralyzed. They had, uh, not cancer, but what's it called? Leprosy. Leprosy all kinds of stuff. And so they, they desperately needed healing. So he had compassion on them. And he went ahead and met, met their physical needs, but he was there to meet their spiritual needs. They needed to be, become spiritually aware of who they were. That's my Easter story. That that's what we need to understand. Mm-hmm. And so the error lies in the belief that he was the only begotten son of God. Yeah. And after all scripture says that. Right? Yeah. But you know, I, and I told a gentleman the other day, I've told two or three, they come at me with scripture and they're they're listening to me and they're feeding from this, but they still are looking at scripture as though it's the legit. Mm-hmm. And so they say, Well, what about this? I said, and I'll say you're still quoting the King James Version. Exactly. You know, I can't tell you that I right now can answer everything there is, but I can, and I don't have the time to translate every scripture somebody wants me to translate. But a gentleman called me, messaged me last night at four o'clock in the morning, and I saw it this morning when I got up, and he asked me to explain what 1 uh, 1 John 4, 1 through 4 means. And so I translated it. And guess what? It just flowed. Because that's where I'm at. That's the mandate on my life, and it was powerful. And I sent it to him, and I'm going to put it on Facebook today for everyone to see. But we we got to overcome, and and we got to be we got to get to the place where we're done with everything that they're done to us. They've done to us because it's, it's not working. Mm-hmm. You have to admit this is not working. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking to my my brethren that's listening to me, and my sisters that are listening to me that aren't aren't sure yet, and they're still bound up in religiosity. Mm-hmm you got to realize it didn't work. Mm-hmm. All we did is, like Brother Garner, is we got people in the church and we collected them like pop bottle tops, uh, tops and we put them to work mm-hmm. and taught them to give all their money, mm-hmm. you know, and to give all their time and talent and treasure. I was really good at teaching that. Yeah. You remember that? Your time, your talent, your treasure. You know, we owe that to Father. We don't owe nothing to Father. Yeah. We just need to love Father yes. and see that Father loves us. So that error is great and in scripture there are six references to the phrase only begotten. And all six are the Greek word monogenes, M-O-N-O-G-E-N-E-S, and it it means only born or so, and that's not the correct one, but that's what they used. They used that word. But the correct word was monos, M-O-N-O-S, means remaining, it means to remain. Uh, The correct word there, again, and another root word is meno, M-E-N-O. It means to stay in a given state, a given place, state, or relation. I've had people question me on this, but that's what it says. To stay in a given state or a given relation. Jesus never entered into this mindset that he was a sinner, or he lost his salvation, or he, he was just a man, right? So we can easily understand Jesus was the one who stayed in the original state as a son of God not only son of God. And that really irritates me that they put that in there because that's where people, they swear and they go by it that he was the only son of God. We're not sons of God. We have to get saved so we can be adopted. And then they come up with that wonderful meaning of the Roman adoption where you have the same rights of the son and all that. We were not adopted. How could we be adopted? He never lost us. He's, there, there's only one father. There is no other father. Amen. Some of the English words that came from Mino is abide, continue, dwell, endure, remain, be present, stand, and then the phrase thine own. And I thought that's odd, but then I remembered William Shakespeare. What did he say? What did he say? He said, to thine own self be be true. But the problem with us, they didn't know who they were. So today we have people that are living still with a mistaken identity and they, they, they are believers, but they think there are all kinds of things and I don't want to name them because I don't want to offend anybody. So I'll just say a, a ice creamaholic. <laughs> but there are people who have been born and they were not taught the truth. Maybe there was a DNA problem or a gene problem, or maybe they were two eggs that absorbed one another or whatever, and they begin to manifest something that they really were not created to be. Mm -hmm. And then they begin to identify with self, Mm -hmm. me, myself, and I, ego. They identify it, and that's why Shakespeare, when he said, to thine own self be true, well, it's a dangerous thing to say when you don't know who your real self is. (laughs) So you're gonna fight for the right to be who you are manifesting, and that's not who you are. You are son of God, you are a daughter of God, and you are how God created mankind in the beginning. So the problem with that is very few people knew that, they don't know today, they don't know who their true self is. Mm-hmm. And that's why Jesus said, I'm gonna to pray to the Father He's gonna send you many more comforter messengers that are gonna lead you and guide you and explain to you what I tried to explain to you. And so in believing Jesus to be the only begotten Son, we have mystified, if you would, his higher consciousness and made us something that we cannot acquire. And to the point that people believe that Jesus was God Almighty, that Jesus was the source. And that's why we thought Jesus is in us. Well, Jesus is not in me, but the same life that he has, the same life that I have. I'm one with Jesus, but our source is Father God, not Jesus. Jesus was the source of understanding. Right? Jesus was a source for, a, for that group of people that he was with, but also for us to understand too. So in believing to be that only begotten son, what we do is we make what, how, what he did unattainable for us. And there are no shortage of preachers that have told people, you can't be like Jesus. They, and, and we sing that song, oh, to be like him, oh. And so when you say that, you're saying that you're not. Mm-hmm. Oh, I wish I was like Jesus. Well, what would you do? Well, I would have all the bread I need, and I'd have all the all the fish I need, and I would have plenty of money to pay my taxes, and you know, because I can break a fish, bring me some money, and the list goes on and on and on. I'm I'm not trying to be funny though, because it's serious. So he recognized his identity identity as Son of God. He also recognized his consciousness of self, the Son of Man. That I am the son of man. I am man, but I also am a son of God. I'm of the race of man, and the race of man is of Father God. So each of us is a son or a daughter or father. And we will continue in consciousness recognition if we stay in contact with the divine mind. We will find out that there's no limitations then. And there's no mortal sense anymore. Father has only one son, and that's a many-membered son, right? Right? Our daughter, however you want to put it there. Not just Jesus. Isn't that good? That is good. That's the truth. And I have a lot more to share, but it is almost 11, and I don't want to belabor this, so I'm going to finish this up next week. But I'm going to talk more and more about Jesus, uh, why we should follow him, and, and what it really means is following this state of consciousness and this state of awareness. Did you finish the sixth? Huh? Did you finish the six? Uh, I thought I said them, didn't I? Well, I only have five. Let me, let me look here just a minute. All right. Did you say that there were seven levels? I think I said awareness? them, but I think I didn't say them the way that you would. Let me get it for you here real quick. Right, yeah, right in the beginning I did. The sixth level of spiritual consciousness is being aware of one's true self. That we live at the, the the plural of our father. And the seventh level been as fully aware of, leads us to this perfect unity of who we are. Perfect unity. That we're completely one with Father. I think I skipped a couple of pages here when I started out. Being aware of thyself. We live constantly being aware of who we are in union with Father. We're not in one moment and out the next moment. We walk through our life in full awareness. And nothing bothers us. Nothing moves us out of our rest. All right. Thank you. Hey, Shirley, Mary, thank you for being here. We appreciate you guys, and we hope you have a great week, and I will be teaching next Sunday. It's Easter Sunday, and we're going to continue on what we're doing. Again, as soon as I get my uh, both volumes on the book on the spiritual symbol, uh, code and symbology of the living word, I want to look at it make sure it's, there's no errors in it. Then I will announce it, and you guys can order it if you want to. So we love you very much. Bless you.